The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Good morning. My name is Robbie, and I serve as one of the pastors on staff. It is good, very good, to be here today to preach God's Word. Pastor Jeff is out of town helping his daughter move into college and will return next week. And I am humbled and honored to stand in his place. Our pastor labors hard over the Word, and I'm humbled to be here. We will be in Psalm 18, and the main idea of this text is the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, God, is to be worshipped and adored for delivering his people from all their enemies. This psalm was written by King David and is one of the longest chapters in the book of Psalms. But although this chapter is very long, it's 50 verses, it can be summarized with just one word, victory. King David, when surrounded by his enemies, he calls on the Lord and experiences a marvelous and radical deliverance. And with a thankful heart, he writes this 50-verse love song, testifying to the victory that God gave him. But this psalm is, is about much, much more than just David. The victory God gives David points to the greater victory of Jesus Christ. And that's important we get that before we get into the text today. Because before this song could be sung by me, and before this song could be sung by you, it had to first be sung by Jesus. So with these thoughts, let's stand for the reading of God's word. And due to the length and to spare your knees, I'll only read aloud the context at the top in verses one through three. To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon this God who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from all my enemies. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, strengthen your people and your gospel today. Rekindle the weary and encourage us all in the great gospel of God. And if there's anybody here today who does not know you, may the joy and victories of Christ sweep over them like a tidal wave. and Set them free. In your name we pray. Amen. So David 
is at a major milestone in his life. If you were to turn to 2 Samuel 22, you'd see an almost identical copy of this psalm. He's in his latter years, his latter years. And he's sitting on the throne of a peaceful and united Israel. And looking back over his life, the victories, the struggles, he gives credit where credit is due that it's only by God's saving grace that he is where he is. Now, believers, think about your life for a minute, believers. Have you ever thought about where you might be today if God hadn't come mightily to your rescue? Where would you be if God had left you in your sin? God's grace is even made clear in the fact that many of us that we've gathered today, hungry for God's word. As I was driving here this morning, I couldn't help but notice all the cars in the driveways. A large part of Gastonia sleeps in on Sunday morning. But here we are, week in and week out. Now, why is that? It's not because we're wise and extra spiritual and got it all together. It's because God is keeping us, preserving us. Brothers and sisters, we are justified, we are being sanctified, and we will be glorified. Salvation is of the Lord. And with thankful hearts, we say with David in verse one, look at it, verse one. I, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Now this, this word love is, is unique. It's expressing a very deep affection and rich devotion towards God. And this is one way you know you've been born again. This is one way you know the Holy Spirit has blown through your heart. It's because you have this genuine and abiding love for the God of the Bible. In Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, without hesitation, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. First Peter, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with great glory. Oh, my friends, true religion is about loving, communing, fellowshipping, and enjoying God. And not just for what he gives, the common blessings of kids, food, family, but for who he is. Look at verse two. Look what David says in verse two. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Now, you can't help but notice how personal David is here. He uses, if you count them, the pronoun my eight times. The Lord is my God, he says. I am his. He is mine. 
And then David gives seven military titles, military titles describing who God is. And each of these are interesting. They each reflect something about how God is a warrior who fights for his people. God is a rock for David. His unshakable foundation, his fortress, the place he he runs when he's tempted with fear and anxiety, his deliverer, the one who rescues him from evil, his refuge, his go-to place on those hard days when you're just in deep need of renewal and refreshment. He's David's shield. His his protection from the fiery darts of the enemy, his stronghold, his keeper and preserver. And then we, we see a sudden change. David moves from images of defense to offense, attack. God is also David's horn of salvation. Now, this is not a trumpet. This is not where you go to Ashbrook band or go to a football game. This is not a trumpet you would hear on the field. This is a horn of a wild bull. If you've been to a rodeo and seen a, 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 a bull get mad, you stay away from the horn. So God fights for his people. And in and, and, and Luke 1, Luke 1, Jesus is identified as the horn of salvation who came to destroy the works of the devil. So what a, what a range of images David gives us. Now, let's analyze ourselves for a second. Pastor Jeff gave me this psalm three months ago to prepare. So I've been analyzing myself. (laughs) When's the last time you told God you loved him like that? Think about that. When's the last time your heart erupted with praise for who God is? To know him is to love him. Think about that. To know him is to love him. He's irresistible. And get this, this deep love David has for God hasn't come to him because he's had an easy life. Read the Psalms. David suffered. He experienced great struggle. But as Charles Spurgeon once said, I've learned to kiss those waves that toss me up against that great rock of ages. David's learned this that his troubles are in a sense graces because they orient him to God. Look at verse three. I call upon my God. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Now, the enemies here is a combination of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, I'm giving you some, some, some inside information. Left to yourself, you cannot overcome your enemies. Left to yourself, you have no power to overcome your strong enemies. Now look at verse 4. David gets his, if you will, his theological magnifying glass and zooms in on the power of the enemy. The cords of death encompass me. The torrents, the waves of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me and the snares of death confronted me. So I used to be an elementary school teacher. I taught special ed for 12 years. 
And one of the challenges of teaching is keeping attention. So to help with that, I bought a class pet. I bought a corn snake. You may know about corn snakes. They are constrictors. It means they eat mice. And I, I used it as an award for good listening. You listen well, you got to feed the snake. It worked charm. It worked like wonders for the boys, but not so much for the girls. They screamed. So I bought a rabbit. <laughs> but, but anyways, if you've seen a corn snake catch a mouse, it's quite fascinating. They quickly wrap around it and just begin squeezing. And, and the more the mouse tries to escape, the tighter and tighter and tighter that grip becomes until it takes its last breath. And I'm not, I know that's gross. You're about to go to lunch. I get that. But it fits here. It's kind of like what David is saying. Saul and his enemies were seeking to entangle him, destroy him. And this kind of thing can manifest itself in a variety of ways in the life of believers. The troubles and stresses of, of life, even, even the powers of indwelling sin are remaining sin. Paul says in Romans 7, who will rescue me from this body of death? And this struggle is, is very real. Believers can become weary. You, 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 you can lose heart and, and even feel very vulnerable to temptation. And all this can also apply to, in a sense, to the unbeliever in the room today. Unbelievers, listen. The Bible teaches you're dead in sin. You're a slave to sin. The cords of sin and death are wrapped around you in such a way you're without hope and without God. And the more you try to escape in your own strength, the tighter that grip will become to the point you'll wake up one morning, look, up, look at yourself in the mirror and wonder how you got into that tangled mess. I've also learned this. You cannot always recognize those people who deeply struggle with private and public sin. Oftentimes, they become very good at blending and pretending to be Christians. Usually, they're, they're what I call angels at church, but devils at home. Living in the glow of Christianity but never truly, truly experiencing the true light of it, the true power of it. What a dangerous and sad place to be, to sit by the fire of God's word every week and refuse to be warmed by it. But there's good news today. For the weary believer and the hopeless sinner, there be some good news. If you'll have it, if you'll humble yourself and call on the strong name of the Lord God, I'm here to testify about something. There is chain-breaking, guilt-removing, integrity-restoring, and life-giving and soul-strengthening power for those who look to Christ. Look at verse 6. This oozes, radiates power. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, the chain breaker. 
I called upon my God. I cried for help. And from his great temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. In other words, those who cry out to the Lord, they get help. Some of you need help this morning. Believers, you need help this morning to walk in godliness. God hears the cry of the brokenhearted. He hears the cry of the weary. And he hears the cry of the repentant. And he comes down. Look at the next part. Ever, ever wonder what it looks like in the spiritual realm when God comes to deliver his people? Think, think this. Think Category 5 hurricane meets an Hawaii volcano. That's what you got to think here. Look at verse 7. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and he came down. So think, you got lightning. If you went on and on through that, you see lightning, earthquakes, thunder, smoke. Here's what David's doing. He's borrowing these images from the days of Moses and Joshua, Mount Sinai, the Jordan, Red Sea. He's, he's borrowing that images because he, he sees a connection. He sees a connection between their deliverance and his deliverance. And I'm here. I, that same power is still at work in 2018. That same raw and ancient and liberating power is in, at work in people in this room today. Praise God. Now, I know what some of you skeptics are thinking. This guy needs to chill out a little bit. That David David's, oh, needs to speak on the experience of just common folk. All this Weather Channel talk is a bit overdramatic. I know what the skeptic thinks. I've talked to many of them. If that's you, though, listen to me. Tune in. Listen. Before you go home today, you find a person you know is a Christian, and you ask them how God delivered them, and you ask them how God continues to keep them. And I'll tell you what you'll hear. You know what you'll hear? Look at, look at verse 16. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters, and he rescued me from my strong enemy. If you turn over to Psalm 40, you'll see it again. David says it another way. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God's people are experiencing a mighty victory over their enemy. A freedom, a freedom that can only be explained by the power of God. Now, not only does God deliver his people, he revives them and renews them. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. He brought me out into a broad, spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So God takes David from a restricted place to a broad place. So I, I, I'm a dad with four kids. 
So I'm, I'm kind of dorky. I like to watch Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> the old TV land stuff. You know what I mean? I've been on a binge lately watching Little House on the Prairie, and it's just, been, it's just grabbed me recently how Laura Ingalls Wilder, at the very beginning of that show, she, she's running, running across that big open field with her arms kind of high in the air playing around. Spiritually speaking, if you've never experienced God before, he's kind of like that. He brings you into a free and refreshing place. He renews you and you mount up on those wings like eagles and you walk and you do not become weary. Y'all know what I'm talking about, believers nod. If you see somebody nodding and you're the skeptic, go talk to them after church because that's the people who get it. They get it. They've experienced it. Now, many of you young people, you're about to head off to school this, in a couple of weeks or this week. You're about to go to college, to the university. Now, one of the messages you'll hear is that Christianity isn't a broad place, it's a narrow place. That following Jesus will only restrict you and keep you from that good, good life. Don't buy into that message. Don't buy into that. Listen to me. You will never, you will never be any more alive and free than when you're in the will of God. The good life, folks, the good life is not to be had in the world of sin, but in the world of Christ. For Jesus said, I came to give you what? Life and give it to you abundantly. Jesus is the narrow way, but he is a broad life. Now, why is God being so gracious to David? He makes a little turn here, and I call this an unexpected turn. And I'm gonna help you through it. I'm gonna help you through it. Look at verse 20. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the, to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, I have kept the ways of God, and have not wickedly departed from him. Now skip to verse 25. I'm gonna bring all this together. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem, with this neat little word, tortuous or twisted. Now, some have trouble with all this and how to reconcile it. So, and they think David is being self-righteous or cocky or he's gone off the deep end and got, gotten into workspace religion. That's not what David's teaching. If you're a spinoff person like that, come back to home base. That's not what he's teaching. He's not teaching workspace religion. David is saved like all believers are saved through faith alone in Christ alone. We are made right with God by faith alone in Christ alone. That's it. Not by works. So James Montgomery Boyce, I found this great summation statement of what David is saying here. Listen to him. Lean into this. Lean into this. David is simply expressing that God honors righteousness, born again, spirit-empowered righteousness, and judges wickedness, and judges wickedness in this life. And this isn't a promise that Christians will always prosper with health and wealth, for some suffer the experience of Job. Nor does it mean believers are perfect and do right all the time. For David did some pretty bad things. But when we look to Christ alone for our salvation, when we repent when we mess up, when we repent when we mess up and we strive to live in his strength, God notices that. He cares for us. He blesses us. He renews us. He strengthens us. And he makes his countenance 
the sunbeam of the countenance of the holy God shines on you. And the opposite is true. When we reject the gospel and go our own way, when we reject Jesus and just go our own way, God will appear twisted or tortuous, tor- tortuous, meaning, meaning this, you will not be able to perceive him as the good and gracious God that he really is. Say that again. If you reject the gospel and, and don't look to Jesus, you won't see God as good and gracious as he really is. It's only in Christ that we can have the true vision of God and experience him as a refuge. And I know it's ultimately the Spirit's work, but we all know people that if they could just get past their wrong ideas about who Jesus is, the gospel God, they would experience so much joy, so much peace, so much forgiveness. You know people like that in your life? They just have a wrong view of who God is. It's a twisted view because they're not looking to Jesus. And we must pray for those people We must pray and we must lovingly help them see the right way to think about God. Now, in the rest of this passage, David continues to just, God continues to just lavish his grace on David. Think about it. Think about it. He's been rescued. He's been revived. He's been rewarded. And God ain't done to show that he always goes above and beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Look, he even equips David to live a holy life. As someone once said, once God sets you on your feet, he equips you for war. So true. Verses 28 through 42 are God's wartime strategies. There's 12 of them. And I don't have time to unpack all 12 if you're in a growth group. Ask your growth group leader, I'm putting you on the spot, growth group leader, to help you understand all 12. I'm gonna give you three. Number one, verse 28. One way God equips us to have victory in this Christian life. Look, he says, for it is, it is you who light my lamp. Verse 28, it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. So think about this. To go to war in a world of darkness, what do you need? You first need what? A big light, a great light. Second Corinthians says, God has shown in our hearts to give us, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in Christ, believers, listen to me, in Christ, we possess everything we need for life and godliness. The Christian life is to be a victorious life not a perfect life, but if you're following Christ and seeking his strength, there ought to be persistent victory in your life over your enemies. Verse 33, here's, here's the next wartime strategy. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. Any deer hunters, any deer hunters in here? Have you ever shot at a deer and missed? They are some of the most agile creatures you'll ever see. With ease, they can can run through thick forests. They can walk up the steepest mountains. So think about this spiritually. In a similar way, God equips his people to walk in the heights of holiness. 
He equips us to, to rise above those, the ways of the world and to, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. That's what he does. And lastly, look at verse 36. He says, you gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. In other words, God knows our breaking points. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations. And he always promises to provide a way out. First Corinthians says, Paul said this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. So you can stand up under the temptations. Now, with all these weapons of God, David is given total victory. Total victory. Look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. He says, you made my, you God, you made my enemies turn their backs to me and those who hated me, I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. And listen to the complete victory right here. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. That's, that's a picture of complete victory. Someone once said this, you're getting a lot of one-liners today because Pastor Jeff gave me three months to prepare this thing. So just, just write them down and enjoy them because if I was preaching every week, I wouldn't have a lot of one-liners. But this has had three months. So here's another one. Here's, here's a one-liner. A holy man. A holy man is a powerful weapon in the hands of God. Think about that for a minute. A holy man is a powerful weapon in the hands of God. So true, God empowers his people to accomplish great things for his kingdom. He puts you in his game and he accomplishes great things for the glory of, of, of himself. And think about your life. Where is God accomplishing great things for his kingdom in your life? Because that's one mark of true Christianity is that you have kingdom impact. Now, to drive all this home, God gets a little cherry on the, for, and, and puts a little cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. Look at, look at verse 43. He establishes David's throne. You delivered me and made me head of the nations. And then he closes the whole psalm with verse 49. And for all of this, God, that you do for us, I will praise you. Oh, Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Simply put, God gave David total victory. Now, remember at the beginning, this is where my favorite part, this word is good. Remember at the beginning when I said before this could be sung by me and you, it had to first be sung by Jesus. Now, what's interesting is the apostle Paul, he picks up verse 49. He picks it up and he, he, he talks about it again in Romans 15, 9. You want to turn there you can go, for sake of time. But he says that same verse in Romans 15, 9. In, in, in the context, here's what he's saying. It was in God's eternal and redemptive plan to one day bring a greater victory a victory that would go out to all Gentiles, all peoples. Now think about how Psalm 18 beams, screams Jesus. 
Verse four, think back to verse four. The cords of death encompassed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. On the cross, the truly blameless and sinless Son of God took our enemies of sin and death. And then verse seven, then the earth reeled and rocked and the foundations trembled. In the gospel of Matthew, we have a little record of a powerful earthquake after Jesus died. Then three days later, God raised him from the dead. And like David, God rewarded him and established his throne. Turn to Philippians 2. This is one of these verses you need to remember. This is one to, to, to hide in your heart. Philippians 2, 8 through 10, the exaltation of Jesus. God rewarded Jesus. Verse 8, and being found in, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In other words, listen, victory in Jesus. If you get anything from what I've just said, you get that today. Put that in your pocket for the rest of your life and look at it and see it and savor it. Victory in Jesus. Martin Luther said this. He, 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 I like Martin Luther. He's, he could be a mean man, I think, but he says some pretty cool things. He gets this right. He says, man in this life and born in sin has five main enemies. Five. Satan, sin, death, the law, and the wrath of God. And before man can be saved, those five enemies have to be dealt with. And as a gospel minister, I am here to proclaim to you that all five of those have been dealt with in Jesus Christ. Satan's been defeated. Our sin has been atoned for. Death is overcome. The law has been fulfilled. And God's wrath has been satisfied so that when you and me, when we look to Christ, you are saved. You're united to him. That means this, his victory is your victory. His righteousness is your righteousness. His strength is your strength. We do not fight for victory, but from victory. Victory in Jesus. I love the old hymn. I like old hymns. Lately, I've really been liking old hymns. The rich. And here's one I like. I heard an old, old, ancient song. I heard an old story. How a Savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Save me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. 
Then I repented. Here's what that means. Turn from, turn to. I turned from my sin. I turned to Jesus and won the victory. I could start singing, but you'd leave. (laughs) Some of you need victory today. You've been coming in here every week. You've been investigating what we're saying, but you just haven't felt that. He hasn't come down from heaven and reeled and rocked and rescued you yet. And here's what you need to do today. And when you go home, you get on your knees and you pray and beg to him to save you. Pray for his mercy to open your eyes to this great gospel that took this man when he was 32 from a deep addiction. I'm 41 now, and he rescued me. Folks, I shouldn't be up here. I've done some bad things in my life. But God came down. And he opened my eyes to the dazzling glory of Jesus. And that's the only reason I'm here. Because he said, speak. Tell them what I do. And that's why I'm here today. But I'll say this. He might not call you to preach. But he'll call you to be changed. And he'll give you the power to change. And he'll forgive you. He'll take your guilt away. He'll, he'll, He'll heal your conscience. He'll make you a man of integrity. He will save you. Just look to him. Look to him and be delivered, my friends. So I'm done. I'm done. So two things. If you are a believer, love on Jesus today. Just tell him you love him. Go spend time with him. Go home, get in your backyard, wherever you go to your refuge and open your Bible and go to the real refuge and enjoy God and what he's done. Think back, think back on your life and what he's done. And if you do not know him, If you do not know him, if sin and death have you in that cords of death grip and you've tried everything to get free from it, get on your knees, come down here today and I'll be here and everybody else who loves Jesus will be here. We'll pray for you and we'll beg and plead that God will do a marvelous work in your life. And then when he does, here's one way you know he does. Here's one way you know. This is one way you know Jesus saves you because you'll get up from your feet with a smile on your face, with a clean conscience, and you'll want to go tell people the power you just experienced. And for the rest of your life, you'll do that. For the rest of your life, however God gives you, whatever means he gives you to do that, that will be your chief song. And you'll sing with the redeemed, and I'm done. You'll sing with the redeemed the rest of your life and into eternity. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon this Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am delivered, free at last, Free at last. Thank God Almighty. We'll get some, some spirituals in here going on. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, chain breaker. Chain breaker God. 
Do what only you can do. There are people here who have been coming their whole life, but they've never had a vision of you that has liberated them from sin and death. Oh, God, rain down, reel and rock this place. Cause people to come down here and repent of their sins and be healed. Life is short. May today be the day of great salvation. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.